gets it to first. The Browns are world champions. The Rams were built to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. They've reached the summit of the Emirates of 2022 Stanley Cup champions. Hello and welcome to Four Future Considerations, episode 151. The uh, what are we jumping to conclusions a week? Is that what we're going to be doing uh, throughout? We talk the NFL, or are we going to be talking about overrated, underrated? Whose season is over? Uh, the whole NFL year's just collapsed already, and we're happy to be part of it. My name's, <laughs> my name's Matt. We got Manny and John here as well. Boys, how was week one for you? <laughs> well, I'm watching all the Green Bay fans crying in their beer all over social media, saying that uh, they hope this isn't uh, what the season's going to be like, but they think it is already after week one. <laughs> I don't know. I just got out of jail in Detroit on Tuesday, so I have no idea what else happened in the NFL. But I had a great time at the Eagles-Lions game, baby. So, I saw a video of you in the street. Can you see? Can you believe the Lions fans fighting others Lions fans in the middle of the street? I actually wish I was there to watch that. I was on the other side of the stadium at the bar doing a dance and a little jig. I'm surprised I didn't get decked. <laughs> they leave you alone and go after the other linesman. Everybody that was lying on the ground that was getting curb stomped there said they were going to go 11 and 6 or whatever it was. <laughs> I remember getting booed at a Detroit uh, Red Wings game one time when I was with you because I was all decked out in my Canucks stuff. And every time I went down for a hot dog, the entire section booed me on the way down and the way yep. back. Yeah, but you deserved it, John. Oh, yeah, I was hamming it up, too. <laughs> I've never seen somebody waving the middle finger around more in my life. <laughs> like, seriously, I had to put on sunglasses after you mooned them. No wonder they were booing you. <laughs> Showing them oh, a little bit it? of Canada. Oh, it was a great opening weekend in the NFL. Woo! <laughs> so your team's running the table, right, Manny? Whoa, if you want to talk about that, we can talk about that. I'm flying high. I know we're flying high, not because the Eagles won, but our two big episodes last week. Thank you so much to everyone who reached out and listened last week. Yeah, we had an amazing response to the first episode, our debate episode. And then the second episode, which was our fantasy football draft on the OT, um... I guess we can mention here just quickly that we crushed Kiefer in week one. <laughs> uh, that football draft was long, but the uh, positive feedback was amazing, and we thank you for that. Yeah, if you haven't listened to those, uh, this is a, a great time to go back and listen to see how that draft went. Uh, if you've already drafted in your fantasy football league, compare your picks to how horrible uh, Buffalo Bills Mafia uh, picked in their draft. <laughs> and the commentary throughout all the other picks and everything like that, it's, it's now funny how many people have had their season already end. It's like March Madness. In, uh, in fantasy football this year. We're all excited about the Chiefs kicker. He's dead. There's like four or five other guys. Evan McPherson couldn't make a, a flip cup uh, field goal. <laughs> it's all it's over all of a sudden, just like that. So go back and see who, uh, who hit and who missed. I, I can't even uh, believe that as much as uh, as much of the feedback we got about the picks and the hilarious off-the-wall selections, got a few comments about uh, – um, 90s TV shows yeah. that you guys were going off on. Yeah, we were talking about TGIF while you were actually paying attention to the draft. <laughs> and uh, it seems as though the comments are 50-50. So we may have to do uh, another segment like that. 
There's a lot of Topanga fans out there, a lot more than I anticipated. Yeah, how could, how could there not be, really? <laughs> Make sure you subscribe to for future considerations on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast. Tell your friends about us, too. And uh, this will be our only episode of the week. No OT needed this week. But maybe if uh, if we can think of some future OT guests, maybe we can get Topanga on. She's got to be oh, a sports fan, right? That'd be great. Can she make a field goal? <laughs> <laughs> she does have her own podcast too. She's in the uh, she's in the business with us, so yeah, yeah. We, we could give her some advice. <laughs> we could have hers on ours, and I'm sure she would love to have us on her podcast. Oh, of course. Oh, <laughs> trades, tradesies. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, let's get to it. Now, all concern in Cowboy Land is that hand of Dax. That was the first hit with Barrett on the completion, and then another one on this drive. Week one in the NFL is officially over, and the biggest story may be the injury to Dak Prescott, the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. He needs surgery on his thumb and will miss six to eight weeks. Guys, we've had a few questions about the Cowboys, including one from Gary in Windsor. He wants to know if the Cowboys will even make the playoffs now. No! (laughs) Did, did, Did anybody see the game, Gary? Come on, I know who Gary is. And Gary even knows the answer to this. He's a big-time Cowboys fan. They were bad even before Prescott got hurt. He didn't play very well. The offensive line didn't play very well. The wide receivers could not get open. And now Dak just had surgery to repair his thumb on his throwing hand. He's probably at the full extent of the eight weeks. So even if, even if I give... The Cowboys two wins. Their schedule is not easy. Week two they play Cincinnati. That's not that's not easy at all. Even if I give them two wins over the next six weeks, that le- that means that they're going to be two and seven before Dak comes back. They're not making the playoffs. This is a built-in excuse for Mike McCarthy to get fired. They will get Sean Payton to coach them next year, and Jerry Jones. He's fine. It doesn't matter at all. So you're saying that. Other than every position being terrible, things went just great for the Cowboys this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Their defense looked okay. They held Brady to 12 points, but the defense can't play offense. (laughs) Good point. They can try. Well, they might be at some point. Wasn't there a safety that did some kicking this week? (laughs) (laughs) They're not making the playoffs. (laughs) I'm not even sure. We never did a full playoff picture, but I'm not even sure they were in the playoff picture to begin with. With Dak Prescott, they would have been on the outside looking in or maybe winning that division at 500 like somebody's going to do now. It's What? I'm not sure they were ever really going to be in the playoff picture to begin with. But now, I mean, you're you're going after uh, whoever the heck that backup guy was or trying to get Cooper Ryan. Lush? Now you're trying to get Ryan Fitzpatrick out of retirement, Mike. <laughs> it's, it's not going well down there. The <laughs> NFC East is the toughest division, Matt. Everybody else won except Dallas. Yeah, it's it's tough a to juggernaut. A, you're right. It's tough to find a good team in the NFC East. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that's, that is the toughest division. Ooh, fly, <laughs> Eagles, fly. So if you're the Cowboys, are you calling up the San Francisco 49ers to look into trading for Jimmy Garoppolo? And if you're the Niners, do you even consider trading him? You can call the San Francisco 49ers. I, I bet you they know Jerry Jones' phone number off by heart. And I'm just going to let that uh, flash on the voicemail just sit there for the rest of the... Yes. <laughs> you have one unread message. <laughs> Look, <laughs> aside from not ever trading with the Dallas Cowboys again, the, the 49ers have to look at, yes, miserable 
experience in Chicago, but Trey Lance wasn't very good either in week one. And so I think they're a little more concerned that they got to, you know, that wasn't a 44-point Kansas City Chiefs outburst that that San Francisco had in their week one matchup. They lose in Chicago that scored 10 points. I think they're worried about their own problems and they're trying to help somebody else out. Yeah, the Niners aren't doing anybody any favors, especially the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. Like if Jerry calls and you know he's calling, you leave the longest description on the voicemail. So he has to wait forever before the message beeps and that he can leave the message. Like you leave a two-minute diatribe about why you wouldn't trade Jimmy Garoppolo. And then it goes beep. And then Jerry can leave his message. Because you're not going to pay attention to him. <laughs> uh, so overall, who are your biggest winners and losers from week one then? I know we've touched on a couple. Dallas, definitely. They just lost their quarterback, and I think their season is coming to an end. Yeah. Um, uh, winners, besides my Eagles, <laughs> I'm going to say the New York Giants. New coach, Brian Dable, has the stones to go for the two, yeah. to go for the win instead of – kicking the extra point for the tie. He goes for it. They get the two-point conversion, and this is the football gods giving them the win because Tennessee missed the game-winning field goal at the end, and the Giants win. Love the gutsy call. I don't think anybody expected the Giants to beat Tennessee, so I'm going to say the Giants are winners. Are we all criticizing him and talking about what an idiot he is if uh, they miss that too? I I think it's wild – like, that's his first NFL game as a head coach. Like, I think, Rashad, in that market, you've got a guy, this is his, his like, you know, this is his debut right. as, a, as a head coach. And you go for it for fourth and whatever, and you don't get it. Uh, he might have a shorter stint in the NFL than uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, I like <laughs> I like the call because I don't think he's sitting at a bar letting anybody rub up on him. So, uh <laughs> The fact that he had the stones to go for it, I love it because I think it sends the message not only to your football team, but to the fans of the New York Giants that, hey, we're trying to change something here. We're trying to do something different. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to go for it. If we don't make it, it doesn't matter. Our goal is to win football games. I think win or lose, that game, it was the best move and the wisest move that he could have made at that time. This is incredible. You know, guys, I gotta be honest, I have goofball. Unbelievable. Oh my god. Oh wow! And now it's time for our play of the week, and there are some fantastic plays in this week's poll, including this play by Bryce Young. Young under pressure! Plays to pay! Young runs it! Young! First down and more! What a play by the Heisman Trophy winner! Bryce Young, a 19-yard game. That play by the Alabama QB will be played on a loop until he gets drafted in the NFL. We're not going to let you know if that play won this week's poll. Instead, go check it out on our Twitter account, Podcast FFC. I see what we're doing here, trying to drive some traffic to the social media. Ah, yes. (laughs) Right, that's right. Hey, there are some really tough plays this week, too. Like, the other plays, I'm not going to spoil it here. you got to go check them out and see who won. But... Uh, there's a basketball play, a couple of football plays, a tennis play. Pretty impressive stuff this week. A tough one. Our play of the week brought to you by London Awnings, quality that shows. And remember to vote 
On next week's poll, when they announce the options on Monday, we share those results on next week's podcast, but you can always find the details and the highlights on podcast FFC on Twitter. And now on to Major League Baseball, and this should be fun. The league has passed some sweeping rule changes starting next season. There will be a pitch clock, 15 seconds with empty bases, 20 seconds when runners are on base. There will be a ban on defensive shifts, and the bases will be bigger. Clayton, Sebastian, Julie, and Jimmy all sent us messages about the rule changes. So let's get into it. And of course, Matt, we'll start with you because I'm going to guess you have a thing or two to say. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Let me get my notes out here and get my spectacles on. Um, Should we cue up the music or what's going on here? <laughs> well, the, the, the time between pitches was, was an obvious one. Um, I think that was always coming down the chute. It's now the pitcher has to be facing the batter, ready to deliver the pitch with eight seconds left on the clock. And then the hitter has to be in the box, facing the pitcher, ready to uh, get a pitch with seven seconds left on the clock or something like that. In minor league baseball, it is shaved half an hour off of some of those games it's it's been it's worked really really well i think the most important thing out of that that doesn't get a ton of play is all this uh checking uh the runner at first base when the it's prince fielder sitting over there and it's stepping off the rubber and walking around and the umpire giving time out at home plate they've now given hitters one instance per at bat to call timeout, which i don't think they should get one at all because they don't normally call timeout that much anyways and then the pitcher has two instances that they can either step off the rubber or throw to a base in a, in a pickoff attempt. I like that one a lot. I think that's the one that makes the biggest difference for me in, in the game because the thing that I'm always harping on is these games take too long. So this should cut down the time as long as it's enforced properly. The bases thing, I mean, you can argue player safety. That's fine. I can't tell you how many first basemen have been injured in plays at first base or hitter in the last five years. Um, the the other part of that is that they're hoping that it ends up increasing or causing an increase in stolen bases, which isn't going to happen because since analytics was born in the Moneyball era, they've realized that you're basically just taking a chance and giving the other team out so nobody does it anymore. Is, is this going to make a difference? I mean, four and a half inches, I mean, it's a, it, it might. I mean, ask Jill, four and a half inches make a difference? Probably. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I, I did not see that coming. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but, um, I yeah. also like the ban on defensive shifts too. I think I'm a big fan of that. I don't know about changing the dimensions of things though, because there's so much history in baseball. I don't know if I like changing the size of the bases, but everything else sounds great to me. I think it's, this is going to really speed up the game. It sounds goofy, but uh, the fact that they're they're banning defensive shifts to me is the most. It's it's such a spoiled rule that for, for like it's so clear we just we're dying for offense that you're basically just saying pitchers are better than hitters so much better that now we have to reward the guys that only hit it in like a 15 degree axis at, on a major league baseball field. I do not like the ban on the shifts. I, I hope coaches start using it, that you've got first baseman, second baseman standing next to each other on those shifts because you're still going to get outs that way because nobody hits the ball the other way. And Manny, we saw this in a couple of games that we watched together last week. Ground balls to third base are friggin' doubles if your shift is all the way to right field. Hit the ball to the other side of the field. It's okay. It's not going to hurt you. I know you're not going to end up with – with 37 home runs, instead you're only going to have 34, but you're also only hitting 215 
hitting fourth in the lineup. This is just going to change. This is just skewing numbers now, and I think it's completely unnecessary. And I think it's it's that's the one that I hate because you're basically just giving in to the worst hitters in baseball. So I understand what you're saying about the shift. I and you know what. I, I'm sort of moving to Rashad's because you're not going to change hitters anymore. Like the hitters have become so one-dimensional that they can hit at the opposite field. It's it's like the lesser of two evils here. Would you rather them uh, change the distance of the mound? No. So the only thing they have left to do is ban the shift because hitters are not – learning to hit the ball to the opposite field anymore. Hitters have become so one-dimensional. I get your argument, Matt, that we're bowing to the hitters in baseball because they've become so one-dimensional and they can only just pull the ball all the time, but something's got to change. The one question I have is why did the players say no to the shift? I understand why they said no to the shift, but why did they say no to the pitch clock? Do the players want to play longer baseball games like it seems ludicrous to me the smartest move is instituting the pitch clock the second smartest move would have been having robot umpires and the league is not doing that just yet and that's unfortunate because i would want to see that yeah and i think that's coming down the line it's got to be the next thing that that is going to come through you know i don't think i think baseball players are just in general are so in their heads that you know, the Nomar Garcia Paras, they've got to step out of the batter's box. You got to adjust your batting gloves. It's a, it's a routine and it becomes like a mental thing. Like, you know, to me, it's counterintuitive in the sense that if you give the pitcher only a certain amount of time and then you give the hitter only a certain amount of time, I think it's a massive advantage to the pitcher over the hitter that the hitter doesn't need, you know, every, in reality, every 15 seconds, he's got a pitch being thrown at him at 100 miles an hour. He doesn't have time to break up the play or take a step out and check the signs at third base and everything they do. So I think it's I think it's a, a detriment to the hitters. But Manny, to to your point about the way that uh, that baseball doesn't change and hitters don't change and, and we're not going to get this back, I disagree with that. And, and, and I think it's just too soon that we're pulling the plug on this because in every sport in baseball, included when we're talking, has changed. In the last, what, five to ten years, all the time. It used to just be big men in basketball. That, that's all it was. And who, who was the biggest guy that you had under the basket? Now, all of a sudden, you get all a bunch of smaller kids, and who can shoot the most? Now, what are you seeing? You're seeing big guys start showing up again in the league, and no one can play against them. You've seen the speed and, and game changes in, in hockey and the, the way that they open things up. Now size doesn't matter as much in, in hockey. You've got guys that are 5'9 that are getting drafted in the first round that are, are instantly affecting the game when they when they get into the NHL lineup. And in baseball, and I don't know why this hasn't happened yet, and maybe it's something that is happening in the minor leagues or in the development angle, but if you know, imagine you've got a guy like Miguel Cabrera or or a guy who can just let's just not say Miguel Cabrera who can hit to all areas of the field. I mean, what a, what an unbelievable advantage that is now because all these teams are doing is just preparing for three on one side and one on the other. Now you've got to spread everybody out again. Now you don't have a ground ball that goes right over the mound that hops right over second base and the shortstop is standing there because that's exactly where you're going to hit it all the time. I, I don't see the win in in 
cutting this off because to me, this is like the biggest strategical change that has happened in baseball in the last five to 10 years. And you're taking it away because it's working because no one else is doing anything different. And I think in a couple more years, you would have seen that change. I think we would have seen it by now, Matt. Like, uh, everybody is so infatuated with the long ball. I think the young kids are like, I'm going to get more headlines by hitting a home run than hitting to the opposite field. And that's what I think we're seeing with young guys l- learning to hit the ball. All they want to do is jack a home run all the time. I just don't see it happening. Are you ready? And now it's time for rapid fire. And I want to start with my tennis. Iga Swiatek won the women's singles title at the U.S. Open, and Carlos Alcaraz won the men's title. Both players are ranked number one in the world. Which player will we be talking about more in the future? Can you say those names again, Rashad? <laughs> uh, I don't want to attempt fate. I'm, I'm pretty tongue tied. Make sure that's right. It's Carlos. Carlos. <laughs> And it's Iga, right? Iga, yes. Yeah, okay. We're going to be talking about Iga. She's already been number one since April. And she's only 21 years old. Now, granted, I know the other guy's only 19, so he's he's got a bigger laneway. Uh, I just think Iga's outstanding. I watched a bit of her in that tournament. Wow. She's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I think she's going to be number one for a while. And we're looking for a new queen in women's tennis after Serena... Is retirement. I think she's the one. Yeah, I agree. There's been a lot of parody in the last few years while Serena uh, went away to have uh, a baby and then came back battling injury and trying to get back into shape and all of that. And so we've seen a few different winners of major tournaments. But now we finally, I think, are separating out uh, the uh, the top echelon from the rest of the, uh, the pile in the women's game. Do you think, Rashad, and I say this uh, saying I can promise you I'll probably never talk about either of these people again. Do you think it's better for tennis that there are three like we'll look at the men over the last little bit you know the the Djokovic Nadal and and, and the other guy um is it better for tennis <laughs> to always have <laughs> to always have three really really good players better than everyone else or do you think it's better that there's it's just going to be this person wins the the Australian Open because they're better on the clay court this person's better on grass and like there's a different winner every time I, th- I like it better when there's a group of two or three at the top who battle it out and then you pick your favorite and you hate the other two. Like, I love that a good rivalry develops. And I think that's um, I think that's the way I enjoy it. Like, I have to admit, Serena's the best player ever, but I didn't like her very much because I didn't like how she dominated so much. I wanted to some- see someone else win once in a while. So she was a bit of a villain for me. And then um, just some of her sportsmanship. And then I'm the same way with Djokovic too. Like, uh, the three of them on the men's side, I like having the other two beat Djokovic once in a while. So, yeah, I like a good rivalry. Rivalry. I like a good yeah. two or three people uh, at the top battling it out. I knew you liked Federer, so that's why I leave it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is, is he the other guy? He's I, the other guy. I, the other guy. <laughs> I thought some guy named John Smith was the other guy. <laughs> I didn't take the bait there. I knew what he was doing. <laughs> what, what do you think? What's your take on that, Manny? Do you think it's better that there's two or three really good ones that ultimately at the end of the tournament we're probably just going to see the three of them, or do you think it's better that it, it's just kind of at random? I love where you're going with the question. I think we are going to see more specialists. Like, I think you're going to see somebody win on clay all the time and somebody win on grass all the time. I guess I could see that. Nadal's a clay court specialist. But I would love, I would love it to be um, three that are interchangeable all the time, or even more for that matter. Just watched a great documentary on John McEnroe, one that he did himself. Uh, and he talked about his rivalry with Bjorn Bork, 
and how they're really good friends. They weren't the only two that, that were at the top. They were the best two, but there were a couple other guys that were really good there. Like, um, uh, Jimmy Connors, for example, if you're talking about another American. Uh, and it was at the time too, where Yvonne Lendl was coming up too. Right. So you had those four guys battling for top spot. That was great for men's tennis. And back then, too, a lot of personality, which you didn't see in the sport before that. Like uh, John McEnroe, obnoxious, a poor sportsman. <laughs> Jimmy Connors, always gesturing emphatically and getting worked up on big points, too. So, yeah, it's uh, big players with big personalities are always my favorite. And Lamar Jackson reportedly turned down a $290 million contract offer from the Baltimore Ravens. He's going to play out the final year of his contract. Smart move or just playing crazy? Uh, it's crazy that it's in football and that you would risk it in football, uh, especially after, again, we see week one, there's like three or four people that end up getting their uh, seasons ended by injury. But the guy's won uh, an MVP in the last three years. His team is 37 and 12 with him in the lineup in that time. He wants guaranteed money uh, and he wants the whole thing guaranteed. That's apparently what the uh, the sticking point has been. Uh, for him. In the NFL, this is a quarterback desperate league and it is a quarterback number one driven league. I'm not entirely sure what kind of season Lamar Jackson has to have that he's going to get less than this next year. So I also think it gives him a great negotiating tool to go after exactly what he wants. Hilarious that he's representing himself, by the way, for a $290 million deal that he's turned out. No, 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 no. I mean, from from his standpoint, I, I think it's a it's a healthy mix of crazy and smart. And ultimately, I think it's more smart than crazy. I think he's, he's going to end up getting that money, whether it's Baltimore or somewhere else, because he still has some clout. Yeah, you asked the question, uh, you know, what's it going to take for him to get less? If he gets hurt, he might get less. But I still think it's it's damn crazy that you just turned down $290 million. Sure. But I also like the fact that he's betting on himself. He's not going to become a free agent right away. The Ravens can sign him to uh, that offer sheet or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it escapes my my mind right now what they can do. Um they can franchise him. That's what it is. They can right, franchise right. him, right? So, however, in saying that, you know, he's going to get a lot of interest. I don't like fully guaranteed contracts. I think that Deshaun Watson contract is awful, and the Browns are dumb for doing that. However, you know, maybe Lamar is is sort of trying to negotiate to get as much possible guaranteed and leave a little bit that's not. I, it's crazy, but it's a smart move too. Yeah, and I, I'm with you on that. And the one thing that I thought was interesting too, when you talk about fully guaranteed, and there's there's a lot to it to me that I read into of him representing himself and also going after guaranteed money. I make a joke about it, but there's a lot to that for me that he would turn that down. And the sticking point is that he wants guaranteed money. He's also since 2018 uh, been hit. Uh, what was it? Some, I didn't. I don't know if I wrote the number down or not. But he's been hit the most of any quarterback in the NFL since 2018. That's his style. So I think his thinking is also in the sense that like I could very well get hurt on any of these plays. Uh, I don't know if that means he's going to let up this year to protect himself or if that means he's going to go balls out to get a massive guaranteed deal. But I also think there's also a, there's a little bit in his mind when you say that of guaranteed money and representing yourself. You're also the guy that's been hit the most in the NFL. There, there's something something smells in there. 
Do you think he's going in with his mom? Because I read somewhere that his mom is also part of his negotiating team. Would you want your mom at the negotiating table? Uh, you know what? If she was bringing some snacks for the, the fellas while we were going through, a lo- probably. Um, but uh, no, I, look, I was dealing with uh, at work today. I was dealing with a, a mom who uh, whose 19-year-old son couldn't call in and uh, change the vehicle that he had just bought on his auto insurance. So, uh, yeah, moms, moms always have a place at the table. Come on now. That guy shouldn't be driving. What are you talking about? Shouldn't. I asked him how many phone books he's got to sit on to see over the steering wheel. (laughs) How's he driving if he still needs a car seat and a suitor? Have you guys ever met an angry Portuguese woman? She will take her shoe off and smack you in the head if she doesn't get what she wants. Like, I want her at the negotiating table. A thousand percent. All I've ever read about Portuguese people is that how that's how they shake hands. It's not even like uh, when they're mad things. <laughs> no. What's the deal with sign? She will bake a seven-course meal Beautiful. for the other side. Ooh. But until the deal's done, she's got one hand on the table and then the other one on her shoe, ready to swing at a moment's notice. The Montreal Canadiens have named uh, Nick Suzuki as their 31st captain in franchise history. A question from Angelo and Leamington. Do you like the decision? Manny? Ah, it's a great decision. (laughs) Not only do the three of us know Nick and think highly of Nick Suzuki, but this guy's a class act. This guy is a smart hockey player, a very, very good hockey player. Um, He's going to stir the drink. Uh, I think the quote, by Brendan Gallagher, Gallagher, he's the heartbeat of the team. You couldn't accurate, more accurately define him. And he's only 23, youngest captain in Canadians franchise history. This team's not winning anything at the moment. Let him grow into that role when this team becomes really competitive and his leadership is going to shine through. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm really happy for him, and I think that's a great move, too. The only thing I'm wondering about is uh, how well does he know his French? Because if you're the captain of the Canadians, that's task number one. you got to learn that second language right away. He spoke a little French with the, the media availability. He said, yeah, uh, I, he said, I think he was trying to say that it's a great honor, but I think he ordered something and uh, made a comment about an elevator. I, I don't know what it was. but <laughs> I think he said he, he loved poutine or something like that. He, he tried it, at least. Look, I would love to tell Manny that this is a terrible idea, but I also plan on going to the Canadians game on October 17th, That it would be great if the captain left me tickets. So I think it's a great move. <laughs> <laughs> Just for that joke, though, you're not getting any. I do. <laughs> Don't you know, pump it up. You got to pump it up. And now it's time for Pump It or Dump It. And because we have so many submissions, we're going to continue with the pre-1990 music and see if it will hold up at parties today. This one is from Mark in Oakville. heard that in a while that song is word up by cameo released in 1986 so for mark and oakville are you pumping it or dumping it oh man this is so good i'm pumping this all the way this is the best thing ever me too (laughs) bow 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 
Oh, yeah. I'm going to go jump in the pool after this because this song's got me all fired up. <laughs> well, if you, if you don't mind doing me a favor, bring the speaker with you, too, so I don't have to hear that song again. Come on, Matt. You're pumping this. That's a Come pure, on. That is a pure stink fest, this one. Rashad and I are dancing all around the neighborhood to this song. We are going to drive in our Kia trackers all around the neighborhood, cranking this song with the roof off and everything. Sometimes some things are so bad they're good, Matt. Come on. Yes. Yes. No. This, it's, it's, that describes this perfectly, Rashad. That it's is perfect. so bad, it's good. It's so, so bad. <laughs> you know what? The song's going to be in your head now. You're going to be, it's going to come up in two hours, and you're going to, damn, that song oh, is yeah. still in my head. I, I'm going to leave this, and I'm going to go listen to Baby Shark for two hours, and hopefully that replaces it. <laughs> Can you imagine the remix of those two together? Oh, we need our boy sick ick. <laughs> yes, guy. Well, that marks the end of our debate for this week. Oh, so good. <laughs> Play the song again, Rashad. <laughs> <laughs> this is our only episode of the week. No overtime required, unlike the Colts and the Texans and the Steelers and the Bengals. Well, at least the Steelers figured out the final score and walk away with both teams' win. In the meantime, check out some of our previous episodes, including our most recent guests, Ian Kennedy, Nathan Parrott, talking hockey and some incredible stories from both of those guys. Absolutely. And remember to follow us on our social media accounts, Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram, and for future considerations on Facebook. Word up. And remember, if you have any <laughs> show or guest suggestions, questions for the gang, uh, if you want to get involved in the debate, join the debate. Send us an email for future considerations at gmail.com. And we want to thank our sponsors, of course, in this episode, London Awnings, Quality That Shows, and a guy who has his own cameo account, Shane Topolovic in Next Level <laughs> Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training and nutrition. And if you want him to wish your grandmother a happy birthday, you can pay him to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Will he get dressed in the cameo outfit, though, when I, he does it? I'm pretty sure he shows up in uh, just the Deuce Bigelow uh, German tourist outfit. <laughs> That's a look. That's good. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Will he have the ghetto blaster with word up blaring? Come on. <laughs> on that note, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week on Four Future Considerations. Word up. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick, demonstrations in my entire career probably the worst it's garbage and the editor that let it come out is garbage you're still here it's over go home